Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. Should I do the Colbert bit again? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. To my left is our director of community engagement and scary bouncer standing at the entry to VIP, <laughs> Mr. Mo Dingo. Where's your wristband? <laughs> Across from me is our audio engineer and the neighbor who's angry at you for stepping on his lawn, Trip Turlington. <laughs> Get off my lawn! <laughs> and to my right, our director of outreach and our on-demand laugh track, Mr. Tony DeSero. I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm your host, the guy who still gets carded at the 18 and Up show. They say don't trust a man with two first names, so you should probably turn this show off right now. I am David Michael. (laughs) Never, ever. We're talking EQs. This has been uh, highly requested over years, I think. You know, equalizers, filters, we want to talk about all that stuff. What are the basics? What do we care about when it comes to EQ as a DJ? And so... I went immediately to Trip, and <laughs> I said, help me with this episode, because I want to talk about this. I want to nerd out a little bit, but you're our audio engineer. You are the most involved in production right now, and you're a DJ. You EQ a lot. <laughs> all day, all day. And I, I mean... I go to Trip, and I'm like, will you help me with this? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll put a couple notes together. And then I come back and check it the next day, and Trip's written it's a, like it's a lesson plan. 27 paragraphs. <laughs> Which is awesome, but I was like, whoa, 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 okay. So I put together a couple little clips, but I'm going to let you kind of run us point by point here and, yeah, and sure. push us along if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I mean, the basics are, I mean, as long as you've got all of the uh, knobs turned up as loud as they go mm-hmm. and red lights on your master out, you're good to go. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. This has been the Passionate DJ <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> See you next week. Now, um, yeah, EQing is is something that a lot of people don't really think as much about from a technical or from a um, uh, from a skill set standpoint. Like it's it's an integral part, but not a whole lot of people put a lot of thought into it. You know, because it's it's something that you can just kind of break up and just say, all right, here's my low mids and highs. And as I'm mixing some tracks together, I want to just, you know, kind of do this, do that, you know, to, you know, kill one frequency or, or, you know, set of frequencies and bring in another, you know, just, and, and some people may not even think about it to that level, you know, cause depending on what kind of music you're, you're mixing, sometimes you don't even have to kill frequencies to get things to mix together. So, um, what what I hope that we are able to kind of bring to everybody who's listening and, and maybe some takeaways is, you know, there's a lot more to it. You can really, really, really nerd out on this stuff um, and, and, and really get pretty deep with it. So. so what is an EQ? What's the point? What's the purpose? What does it do? That's Equalization is, uh, I, I would, if I would say it's, an adjustment or a correction of the frequencies in it, that are contained in a sound. Um, so any sound source 
uh, we'll, we'll try to stay generic and call it a, a, a sound source, but more often than not, we are dealing with music. So we're talking right. about a song. Um, you know, sometimes we may be talking about a loop or, you know, a one shot or something like that. But, you know, so I, I'll try to say sound source, but if I say song or track, you know, I'm kind of using the, those yeah. terms interchangeably. And so the, the low end of the audible hearing spectrum is something like 20 Hertz. 20 Hertz is typically in 20,000 is, 20, is, is the, the is the highest end. Also known as 20 kilohertz. Correct. Um, so but, you know, the caveat to that is, is, you know, how much hearing damage have you done to yourself? How old are so you? None of us probably hear 20, 20 <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? But I, I forget what age range uh, uh, that starts to roll off, but it's fairly quick. It's like you know, 30s, 20, I believe. Yeah, right? 20,000 20, hertz doesn't last in your hearing range for very long. Yeah. And, and I can even remember there was a time where there were ringtones for phones so that um, that kids were using in high school, and they couldn't hear them it, because the adults couldn't hear them. Yeah, <laughs> so teachers couldn't hear, you know, that sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen thousand hertz range, but the kids could. That seemed like uh, a way better idea than the vibrate function, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, uh, so that's that's important to note um, that, uh, you know, you, you only have a certain amount of range and it degrades over time naturally with age and even more, more rapidly if you've been involved in, you know, anything that is loud and, and repetitive and yeah. repetitive over time. So, uh, that's why it's imperative to wear hearing protection, especially depending on your job function or if you go to a lot of concerts or if you're a performing artist. So an EQ, you're, you're, it's almost like a volume adjustment for different frequencies or different sets of frequencies Correct. in the audio spectrum. So in the case of a DJ, you typically break it into three bands, sometimes four, like a zone mixer. Yeah, absolutely. Low, mid, and high. And then you can adjust those kind of independently instead of the full gain of the whole track. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, like, if we... Before we dig too deep, like if we can run over just a couple of like just basic definitions. Oh, absolutely. Like we, we talked about a sound source um, uh, being a, a, you know, a track or a song or a one shot or a loop or anything. But, you know, whatever you can hear is what is uh, in what is called the sound or audio spectrum. And that is what's 20, th 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. And that's everything that you can hear. But an individual wave or a particular wave within that spectrum is typically called a frequency. So uh, that is at its at the most basic uh, definition is the vibration yeah. that is happening at that particular point in the spectrum. Um, now, a band, as you were just alluding to, is a collection of frequencies within a, a particular range. So uh, when we talk about bands of EQ, when you're looking at your mixer, you've got low, mid, high, and on some of them, you've got four of them, and some of them are even assignable, which are really cool. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, so your low uh, is typically, you know, 100,000 hertz and lower. That it range, that varies between uh, different manufacturers, different... Um, uh, EQs. Uh, your mid is generally anything between that 100 hertz up to could be 3,000, could be 5,000, could be 10,000. 
And your high is typically anything that's like eight to 10,000 and higher. And then in a more of a studio context or production or even like TV sets or live uh, applications, stuff like that. If you have like, say, a mixing console, you'll probably have 20, 30 zillion bands that that's broken into so that you can get extremely intricate um Probably most often you're using that for stuff like room correction and Correct, things, yeah. stuff that you're not going to touch all the time like we do. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so uh, a couple of words that we'll be using a lot is like accentuate and attenuate, uh, boosting and cutting is basically what that means, or turning down and turning up. Um, what, what? For what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I, I, I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh yeah, all day, all day. One of the things that we'll also say in in this uh, is uh, we'll use the words color and tone. Uh, they kind of mean the same thing. Um, and in in the context of this discussion, I, I I kind of see that as being the default characteristic of the sound uh, that an EQ uh, has over your sound from each individual manufacturer or creator mm. of that EQ because there's... Every piece of hardware so, theoretically sounds a little bit different. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then, or software. Um, and then we have what's called the mix, which most of us understand as the sum of all sound sources that is coming out of your master out. So since we've kind of defined all those terms, um, I actually prepared a clip for this where we can listen to the differences between the three bands just uh, to kind of hear that and then also sure. to hear the color of different mixer models. Awesome. In this clip, we're going to demonstrate the low, mid, and high bands and the color of different EQ models. When the beat hits, all the EQs are going to be at zero, meaning the 12 o'clock position. Then we'll play a few bars with the low band turned completely down and then we'll do the same thing for the mid and high bands. demonstrate color by cutting out the mid band and switching EQ models on the fly. This is the standard tractor EQ, then we'll switch to models of the DJM600, the Eckler Nuo, the Allen & Heath Zone series, the Control Z2, and the DJM800.
so that was uh, a, a great demonstration there. Um, and now that we've got, um, and now that we've got the basic definitions kind of, you know, there for us to work from, uh, I think we can start getting into um, the the meat of everything. Let's dive in. Uh, so, you know, one of the things with like trance music, especially you know, is, is a really good example of the first thing that we're going to talk about, which is clashing frequencies. And uh, anybody who mixes trance music will understand this, um, inherently. And it's where, uh, trance especially is just really busy, you know, when it comes to arpeggiators and big synth leads and stuff like that. So trance DJs have, um, have adjusted how they mix based on, when a big sound is leaving and another sound is coming in. And so what we're about to talk about is clashing frequencies. And and the idea there is that these big synth leads and stuff uh, occupy the same area in the sound spectrum. So when you've got all of this going on, um, you know, it, it sounds messy. It sounds harsh. And, and it can be really confusing and not very pleasing to listen to. So it's not, so it's not complementary to right. each other. Right. And by the way, clashing frequencies is different than clashing key or pitch. Correct. And EQ cannot fix that. That's right. Um, you can get away with more if you're careful about how you do it. But it, and especially in the case of trance, if you've got you know two incompatible key tracks... Uh, EQ away, but it's still going to sound off. Right now, if you have two trance tracks that are in key, EQ is awesome because then you could you're basically weaving together a new song out of two that work together. Right. All you have to do is make room for each other. Exactly, and and that's that's the key there is making room, um, and, and that that comes into you know what we were talking about before whether it's um, you know correcting something. Or adjusting something, and and when we're when we talk about DJing and making room for one sound versus another, that's making that adjustment. So, um, you can what you can do is you can take some of the the frequency uh, band out of one track as you're mixing it in, and then as you get uh, your your volume or your gain for both tracks at a particular level, then you can start using the band that you have cut out and blend in that frequency as you take it out yeah. of the other. And this is a fairly simple blending technique, but it's something that, you know, is lost on a lot of people, you know, who, who have never been exposed to any kind of yeah. blending. And by the way, if I can just toss this in. Sure the low frequencies take up a lot more room in the spectrum than the high frequencies. And if you, if you look at what a 20 Hertz sine wave looks like versus a 20 kilohertz sine wave, you'll understand why. Right. It literally takes up more room. It's, it's, it, yeah, it, it may only be 20 to a hundred Hertz, which sounds like it's not a lot. when you compare it to a hundred to 8,000, but it's like 90% of what you care about. <laughs> Exactly. That's why you, a lot of you DJs, if you notice that you fiddle with the bass knob more than anything else, that's that's part of the reason why it's right. the it's most of the sound. <laughs> right, there. right, right. So, um, so that but the stuff you were just talking about when you're trying to blend, that's when you see a lot of the DJs like like really actively 
mixing in with those higher frequencies and making small adjustments. Right, right. So um, that's one of the the techniques that I use a lot is when I'm mixing something in the track that I bring in, I usually have the high and mid bands, you know, cut back to, you know, nine or 10 o'clock on the mixer. Um, and with the bass either completely out or at, you know, seven or eight o'clock, you know, just at however far back I can get it. And just so that I've got enough of some kind of element to start mixing in, and then once I've got, you know, full volume uh, on both tracks, then I can start, you know, doing my blending there. And this is especially effective with bass because to your point, like you said, bass is so volume, uh, uh, voluminous, I guess is the word. It's I'm wide. Gonna, yeah, yeah. It's voluptuous. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's basic. Those are some sexy signs. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, it, because it takes up so much when, when those clash, then it creates mud and it, yeah. and, or what we call mud. And, and that is really hard to, uh, for speakers to reproduce. It's especially harsh and on the rest of the sound that you're trying to push out through the mixer. Uh, it, 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 it destroys clarity. Yeah. And even if you've got, your gains on each track to the point where you can fit the full audio spectrum of both tracks in, you can do that. And there are mm -hmm. times where that works. Right. Uh, you don't typically have all the faders up and all the EQs at 12 or, or higher. Right. But you can, yep. and depending on what you're doing. Uh, but you can still run into that muddiness, especially, I mean, think of mixing like a 4-4 and a breaks track. You're just going to have... Right, and right. Sometimes that's the effect you're going for, but usually it's not. Exactly. It but, also, but also if you're like it not like a higher end show or you don't have an engineer that can cause damage to the equipment as well it could yeah, yeah because especially if you've got two bass lines you know from that are two competing for the sources, same space right and and you're not uh, accounting for that then yeah i mean you're basically getting the sum of both of those bass uh, that bass or whatever frequency is at its highest um you know coming out through the master and yeah if it's not properly compressed or limited uh, outboard anyway. Mm -hmm. then, and yeah, just to your help. point about um, making adjustments as a DJ versus correcting for the room or whatever, right. uh, the correction part in that scenario is the audio engineer or the back of house or front of house. That's their job. Right. Not necessarily the mixing and right. the adjustment part. Correct. So I would try not to correct for the room. In other words, th there's not enough bass, so cranking it way up. Okay. <laughs> right. The bass is the level that the audio engineer set it to be. <laughs> Correct, right. And turning it up higher is only going to make you sound like crap. What, what, is, what did Tom say about red lights? <laughs> oh, they're for prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> Posted that straight on Instagram. <laughs> what it boils down to is, is in the sound spectrum, just make sure that there's every every, every part that you intend to have something filled has something filled you know every everything has a place you know so there's you know particular hi-hats that you want to bring attention to mm -hmm. make sure that the hi-hats you know have the proper setting on the eq uh, on that particular sound source same with the bass uh mid-range is a little bit trickier to do that with because it's one of the widest bands mm -hmm. that on every mixer 
uh, some mixers are are nice enough to have two, you know, a mid high and a mid low, and it's where a good chunk of your main instruments and vocals and right. stuff are. So you know, a lot of DJs may or may not have figured out by now that that's why you wait until there's you know some logical break in a song or a particular you know minimalist intro that you know you pick these sweet spots to mix your tracks in instead of just trying to take the main meat of one track and mix it with the main meat of another and try to mash it all together when i was making my mix um the last few days one thing that i did which i normally don't do is i take the headphone volume and i turn it over to the other track a little bit so both of them Mm. are coming in And then I cue my other song. I play it a little bit to see if maybe the hi hat and the mid or the the highs and the mids in the song that I'm getting ready to bring in is a little higher or a little bit. What's the word? I'm like, or maybe like a clappier sound, mm-hmm. so I can bring those tones down on the EQ. So when I do bring them in, I'm slowly mixing yes. the EQ That's how just as live. well <laughs> as I'm mixing you know, the volumes and bringing the yes. volumes in too. Right. Right. That cue mix yeah. knob, like I freak out if there isn't one on the mixer. Yeah. Like yeah. I can do it, yeah. but I'm like, I, I'm always twiddling that thing for that reason. I never do it live. live because it confuses me a lot yeah. when I'm, when I'm doing it live. But when I did this mix, um, you know, I, I, I did it and it worked actually really well because I kept the song that I'm actually bringing in. I kept it a little low, well, yeah. a lot lower than the song that's being played. You know what I, I do tell. when I'm live is I'll do that, but I'll, I'll keep, Tapping the cue button mm-hmm. on and off for the incoming track, so mm-hmm. I can I keep checking my um, my control, you know, my mm-hmm. whatever's going to the the actual master out. I can hear it, and then I click it in, so I can keep I keep checking what the difference is. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm like, oh, that okay. hi hat's from the incoming track. Yeah, I just remind hi-hat. myself constantly. So if you actually if you watch me mixing, I'm jamming on that and I'm twisting the knob the whole yeah. time. Click, <laughs> right, click, right, click, right. click, 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 click. Hi hat's louder <laughs> than you bring the high down, yep. and you slowly blend it. Why well, it looks like I'm doing way more than I am up there. <laughs> it also depends on your mix, though, too. You know, if you want to be subtle about it and and make it a long mix and not yeah. so prevalent right off the rip. You know, some people like to come in, you know, balls in. Right, yeah. right. But, you know, it depends. And that's on, effective too. In, yeah, in yeah. Cases, so. I mean, and 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 in talking <clears throat> about you know these, you know, trying to prevent clashing things and making sure everything has a mix. You know, we're not talking about mixing style. You know, so like, right. You know, a lot of people do like to do drop mixing, and and all of a sudden there's a new sound, you know, or, you know, to Tony's point, you know, some people like to be a little bit more subtle and try to hide the blend so that you never know what song or where the transition is. And all of that is, is done through your EQ. Like depending on what you're going for, what you're trying to accomplish, you know, both of those are perfectly valid styles, but your EQ is going to matter depending on how you're, uh, on on what you're mixing yeah. and how you're and how the you're point you're trying to, to make yeah right it, it could add more quality as opposed to just slamming one into the other mm-hmm. true true yeah uh, it, because there are certain types of like uh, DJs uh, you, you know like um, it's especially effective with certain types of house music like where I know that th- there are some house DJs that I knew that. You know, they always mixed with their bass at like 10 or 11 o'clock and then, you know, the the highs at 12 and the only thing they ever mixed with was the mid knob. 
Mm-hmm. Like bass was always set at the same and, and all they did was just kind of filter in and out the, the mid range frequencies because that with, with, the with, with the type of house that they were, they were mixing, that's all they needed. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it really all does just kind of go for, you know, what's the desired effect. Right. Well, it fits the style of it. I assume you're talking about the kind of like filter house and yeah. disco yep. house yep. and stuff yep. like that. Mm-hmm. It fits that style because the, it's that's happening anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All they're doing is accentuating. That. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. If you listen to a lot of techno too, a lot of techno, it's normally a bass cut all the way out, you know, let it ride yeah. for a minute and then bring that bass right back to 12 o'clock yeah. to kind of create that. That's one of that the yeah. techniques build. that we'll cover in a little uh, later on. But yeah, that's like also the, fun to switch to a break beat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, the first time I saw Tony play live, it was at green velvet. I saw you do that and I was like, Oh, <laughs> tricky bastard. <laughs> nice. I do it. I do it a couple of different ways, yeah. but I'm sure we'll speak about the high and low pass yeah, yeah. in yeah. a bit. But, yep. um, so I think the next point that we we wanted to cover was phasing, um, mm. you know, because there there's there's this phenomena the um, called phase cancellation. Most of the time, it happens with bass drums, so yeah, uh, or kick drums. We'll we'll just get that out there. Um, it is possible for it to happen with other sounds, um, but it's going to happen to that first. Cause yeah, that big, yeah, fat it's sound a wave. big fat sound wave, <laughs> yeah. and if you've got two that are either the exact same kick, which is very possible in the producer realm, we all use the same sample packs for the most part, you know. So I may use the same kick as you know fifty thousand other producers out there. Or uh, it may just be that similar or that there's other parts of the uh, sound spectrum that are being occupied in that same space. So these kick drums appear to be pretty similar. And you as a DJ, whether you're synced up or not, you know, once you have, you know, the, the kick drums to where it sounds like they are on point and they are, but, you know, it's off by just like, a micro, 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 microsecond, and then all of a sudden your kick drum disappears, even though you've got the bass turned all the way up on the mixer. Yeah. It's just gone. You, you don't know where it went. It, and then all of a sudden, especially on turntables, you know, it might start coming back, but then it sounds like it's got a flanger on it and yeah. stuff like that. So what what's happening there is what's called phase cancellation. And on the sound wave, it's where the peaks and valleys of that sound wave are actually inverted. And that's what makes it sound like the, the sound is gone. And as you know, the, the track moves on. If, if you're on digital, it may not come back at all because if it's, if it's synced up perfectly and and running along, but you know, with turntables, like I said, if it starts to come back or you hear this like flangey sound, that means that, you know, those, those waves are starting to move back and, and, uh, and then your sound will reappear. We so, covered this a little bit in episode 14 that you were bringing up earlier, mm-hmm. Mo, um, the, that phase cancellation. Yeah, the deconstructive interference is yeah, what it's called. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, if you, but basically a sine wave looks like a sideways S. Right. And so if you have that lined up in a way that the peaks and valleys meet at the same time, you're you mathematically cons- canceling them. Right. You're literally canceling them out like in algebra. Right. So they just disappear. Here, and, here's what a song sounds like if you mix it with the inverted version. I, I didn't hear anything, David. Exactly. exactly. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the way we get around that as DJs, though, is that you just don't 
play both of your kick drums as loud as they go. You know, yeah. don't don't have them. You know, don't have the bass going at the same time at the same amplitude and and, vol- and all of that. Uh, one easy way to get around that is to kill the bass out of one and just have w- the other one go take over. Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean that. I mean that's that's the long and short of that. I mean there's other there's other frequencies that that can happen with, but kind of goes back to the correction of the sound spectrum if you know where that type of thing is happening if you bring it down enough then you can you know let something else occupy that space and if you're dead set on your eq settings that for the track that you're mixing in um then you know just slightly offset your beat matching right that also works yep yep (laughs) not so much that it's shoes in a dryer but yeah Yeah, just nudge it like barely barely exactly (laughs) twist the spindle whatever you got to do tiny bit um so uh, another thing that we we had uh started on uh earlier was surgical use you know when Mm. we're talking about sculpting a sound for long blending um that's that's the more uh typical uh thing when we're talking about eqing that's that's really where you kind of get into meat and potatoes right because here that's where uh like what tony was saying um before where you can like take out the low end of of an outgoing track or of uh, uh, i mean especially with techno mm-hmm. you know what when i I'm, I'm sure you you're the same way but when i play techno i picked up this technique from seeing hundreds of other techno DJs do it mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you've got two tracks, two tracks, two tracks, two tracks, and one is your primary, you know, track. But then once that one hits, you know, it's breakdown or, you know, it has a dropout, mm-hmm. you know, then I bring in my other one and whether I've got that one in a breakdown or not, like I've got the base completely killed on both of them. Mm-hmm. And now I've got this one that's in a breakdown and one that's, you know, not, it may not be, but I have no bass going on. And what's happening is that your your brain is kind of readjusting to this sum of all sounds. And then all of a sudden, you know, once you get so many bars in and you've let everybody kind of adjust to this new... New track coming in. Uh, yeah, this new track that's coming in and everything is kind of all blended together. Now you bring in the bass of your incoming track and then you can let the other one just kind of dwindle out or, or mix it out as, as, as you want to. And that, you know, um, that's a really common technique, especially for, uh, techno DJs. Um, and I love it. I love that. effect. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it, it's, it, it really lends itself to the long blend, the seamless mixing, you know, that we, that we talk about a lot. I do that with house when I'm mixing straight up house, I'll like, even not at in a breakdown, but I'll I'll cut the bass out at like four beats before a, a new measure starting, and then I'll slam the next one in. Right. You know, at the right time, so it's just tick 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 boom, and it comes in. <laughs> yeah, that's also fun because then you get that sudden new kick, and that can get a reaction as well from your crowd. Ooh, right. Yeah. Um. So uh, another thing to take into consideration with all of that is that you know we live in a in a digital age so like you know if you're if you're mixing digital tracks the one thing to keep in mind is that not all music has been mixed and mastered by the same person Mm. not all mixing and mastering is equal 
you know, in, in quality and, um, EQ here can be a corrective action for that. Yeah. You know, because if you've got one track that's been mixed and mastered a certain way with a particular color, um, then you bring in this other one that has been mixed and mastered a different way with another type of color. When you bring those two together, you're not going to have a very cohesive or, or smooth transition yeah. there. So being cognizant of the music that you own and are mixing together, you can make those corrective adjustments. So if something, you know, if a, a mastering engineer had a heavy hand on the high end, but then the other mixing or uh, the other mastering engineer like really boosted all of these like highs and or these lows and mids, then you can you know, subtly you can subtly kind of compensate like for that. compensate yeah. and and you know um and, and and one of the 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 most underrated things in EQing is the power of subtraction versus the power of addition. Augmentation. Cut yeah. instead of boost. Exactly. I, I challenge most DJs out there to at least try this. And instead of boosting sounds in an incoming track, try cutting sounds out of the primary track. Yeah. I think that's most of our uh, natural reaction is just to turn it up. Right. Here's yeah. something you like or something that you want to accentuate and go turn that one up. Yeah. It's usually right. safer to cut. And I think a lot of that is mindset too. Correct. It's like once you realize it's like, okay, what do I not need right now? Rather than give me more. Oh, right. You right. Know? right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and to your point too, about mixing two different, uh, like mastered style tracks, yep. um, especially important if you're mixing like different eras of music, like yep. something released in 1970 is going to be mastered Sound much differently different, than something yeah. mastered today, especially right. because of uh, loudness, compression, stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, more bass in today's music usually. Yep. And also mixing different music formats, like when I'm at home. That, that's what I was about to say. Mixing like, records in my CDJs, I yeah. usually, especially old records, I'll have <laughs> right. to maybe just boost the high knob a touch so right. that it matches everything. That's usually where it is, is in the highs, because that's what disappears first on a groove. On the groove, <laughs> exactly. Well, and and the and the other point I wanted to make about physical medium, uh, like records, is uh, you know there's there's a an, an analog noise that comes along with that. Mm. So sometimes, you know, you may want to be careful how much you take the highs up because you may be you may overdo it and then accentuate all the snaps and pops and all yeah. the stuff that ha that and is that natural in hiss. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about genres of music, though, like if it's a someone who incorporates an actual drummer. You know, yeah. things are going to be way off, like when you're talking about with the phasing piece. Right. Because I actually had that happen to me yesterday I did a CrossFit event and sure. um, I was trying to mix like a rock track with something that was obviously produced a while ago. Probably one of the earlier MP3s I ever bought was something that was a little bit newer. And I was like, Whoa, this is, this is, <laughs> this is not working. So I'm like doing my best to like pitch one up and, and yeah, cause it's not just timing when yeah. you have a human drummer, it's no, also velocity right. yep. and all that stuff. Yeah. Like and, hitting, yeah the hitting the drum. Yeah. Yep. And it's funny cause I started thinking about that episode when that was happening. I was like, why is this not matching up? And I was like, so I look at the waveforms and one's like a lot more compressed than the other, just because of the production mm. quality. Yep. And I was like, shit, <laughs> you know, but by then like I, I'm like, I got 45 seconds left and I'm like, uh, yep. here comes a train wreck. Sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. Woo -woo. <laughs> the Mo Express. Prepare for impact. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, so to, so to kind of move on from that, you know, 
there's uh, another concept that we've kind of talked about through here, you know, with boosting versus cutting or accentuating versus attenuating. And um, being able to know when to do that is is uh, pretty key, especially if you're in a live setting environment. Most of your, you know, front of house or uh, sound engineers, all of those guys, they'll tell you this is where your fader should be and do not, you know, take your EQs over 12 o'clock or, you know, some of them are generous and give you one or two o'clock on, on, on the dial. Um, so depending on, on the, on the effect you're going for, whatever a, a sound engineer tells you, <laughs> that's pretty much what you want to stick to because they know the house system or they know that, you know, the, the, the rig that they have set up for you to play on. And by you going rogue, you know, you, you, are you're inherently counter countering their, their efforts. And also if you're recording at home or something like that, if you're correcting for things in your own room, that's not going to translate to somebody's earbuds. Right. No. So keep you, you probably want to keep it, you know, you, you're full on into the mix. Default is just 12 o'clock on all the knobs. Correct. Unless you're yep. making some adjustment for some real reason, like this record is worn out. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. Like for me, going back to yesterday, I had two events. One was a CrossFit event in the morning. So high ceilings, lots of mm. uh, things for the sound to interact with metal, lots of athletes bouncing around, moving. The The shape of the room is constantly changing. Yeah. Yeah. The evening I had a corporate event where it was like low ceilings, you know, tables and chairs, you know, not a lot of people up and walking around. So the sound was like unobstructed. So, you know, every time I go to reset up, even if it's just the same gym, I always go back. I put everything at 12 o'clock and do my sound check. And then once more people start showing up, I'll play like a couple songs. That I know what they should sound like in that space right? and kind of see what it sounds like again and just make adjustments from there. So what, what you're kind of alluding to um, is another point that I wanted to make with this. Um, so when you're doing your, um, uh, so when you're doing your mobile gigs, do you have uh, outboard compressors, limiters, or EQs? Uh, I have a, um, I, I use a EQ, uh, which called a, a mixer. So I have, um, I mean, I, I use powered speakers, so it's all, it's all engineered to work that amp with that speaker right. is, is designed by the manufacturer. But do to you work go out way. of your controller or mixer directly into that? Yeah, I, I go from a mixer right into the speakers. Okay. So that's, that's what I wanted to get at because with a lot of like venues, concert venues, um, festivals and all that stuff, these front of the house sound engineers, they have outboard compressors, limiters, and EQs, mm. and then they tune the system using that gear. And then when you come up to the mixer, then that's what you are working. You can pretty much do whatever. That's your that's your cap. That yeah. right because they are yeah. controlling you can't get it from past that them. Yeah. The idea is if somebody goes up there and just plays a CD out of the off the shelf, it should sound perfect. Exactly. <laughs> However, when you're going straight out of your mixer directly into a powered speaker, there's nothing to cap the the sum of all sound that's coming out of your your mixer into those loudspeakers. So um, there's there's um, a particular EQ setting that is kind of default to all of these different hardware mixers, um, and 
most of them employ some variation of what's called the smile curve, mm-hmm. um, which is oh, it's called it the disco smile. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A little more bass, a little more high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's all it really is, is just a little bit of an accentuation on the on the low end and the high end with this scoop. Mm-hmm. So if nobody's ever heard it called the smile, it's it's also called the mid scoop. Um, that also that basically describes the color of those speakers. Correct. Correct. So one of the things that you can do as a correction, if you are just going straight out of your mixer into some powered speakers and you don't have, you know, all of the other gear in between there is you can, you know, have everything at 12 o'clock and then maybe just take your mids down by one or two notches. And then that inherently creates that scoop in, in, you're coming out of your mixer. Um, however, you don't want to go too harsh depending on your room. Mm-hmm. You know, you would be doing that as, as a, as a correction. Um, because like I said, most of these mixers already have that built into a limiter them. built in. Yeah. yeah. Even though you're at 12 o'clock with everything, you know, then, you know, there's just that slight scoop. That's, there's still an in inherent between. curve built into that. Right, you know? right, right. Um, but and and the only reason to really mention that is is so that you know it, that you're aware of it because not all mixers are built the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a, a, even within the Pioneer line, different DJMs have a different you know color to them. Yeah, and that's why some uh, you'll hear a lot of different mixers referred to as either warm or harsh or thin. Um, because some of them have a a harsher scoop um, in the in the mids, others you know let the mids just kind of you know it's not as it's not as harsh. And right around a thousand hertz is a really mm. is a really harsh uh, point of the of the human hearing spectrum. So whenever a thousand anywhere around the a thousand hertz is accentuated too much, that's when most people will be like covering their ears. Yeah, covering yeah. their ears. A lot of people think it's the high end stuff, and and don't get me wrong, that that will do it too. But a thousand hertz is is a really uh, displeasing sound yeah. when it's and by out the of way, control. that that smile that exists because it's pleasant to our human ears, right? But if you're say shopping for studio monitors for production, when they say you're looking for something with flat response, you want there to be no adjustment whatsoever. You want it to be accurate rather than to sound pretty or nice, right? So it's just a different approach when you're, you know, studio monitors versus live environment, for example. Right. So I'm not really sure how to segue from all of what we've been talking about because we've been really like focusing in on, you know, the the functions and and um, and the abilities of what you can do with an EQ versus other things on the mixer that kind of act like an EQ, but in a more drastic sense. Um, you know, a, a lot of mixers have this functionality called filter uh, that's uh, built into it. What a filter is versus the EQ is a filter has cutoffs uh, at, that, that are assignable or, or has cutoffs that are... Um, they're hard cutoffs. Yeah, they're very hard cutoffs and, and, and they're adjustable. So... Um, you know, uh, so for example, a, a, a low cut or a high pass uh, filter um, is basically a cut, a hard cutoff in the low end, 
And then as you turn the knob for that, it moves that cutoff up and down through the frequency spectrum. Now, that's a, uh, a pretty... Um, um, that's a pretty familiar sound for anybody who's ever heard it. Uh, maybe even more familiar is the high, uh, the the high cut low pass, because disco and house use that iconically, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but um, there's also a couple of others where there's like a notch. Uh, yeah. Where there's like this cut in the in the frequency spectrum, and as you turn the knob, it just you know it, it has this like sweeping effect, and that's really popular with like uh, neuro bass lines and like glitch hop and neuro funk uh, drum and bass and stuff like that. Kind of gives it a wavy sound. Uh, twisty, twisty is kind of okay. how yeah. I like not phasey or not flangy, but like just this like kind of kind of like the example that Dave had, but just kind of twisty. I've got another one, a little yeah, bit more actually. aggressive. Okay. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll play that. In and a then minute. there's of course band pass, which is basically a high cut and a low cut, where only your mid band is um, is is exposed. Yeah. So um, I think of filters as a one band EQ. Yes, yeah. I mean it's but you're, you've got one one but a knob whole band, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like in the case of low pass, everything above whatever frequency is selected on the knob is cut out, other than compensating for whatever the slope of that cutoff is. Correct, right? So right. everything basically below this frequency or above this frequency or notched out or how whatever the setting is, right. You know, is getting cut out. Basically, is a good is a is a good operative word there because <laughs> of the slope. Like, yeah. I don't think we've covered that at all. But basically, the slope is at whatever angle. If you're looking at a graphical representation of the EQ, you know, there's however many decibels. You know, if anybody's into algebra, <laughs> right? Rise, <laughs> <laughs> rise over run. Okay, so but like at whatever decibel level that uh, that these uh frequencies are being cut at until it reaches zero yeah um and some some filters you know again by manufacturer um or eqs you know are are different you know by brand by model yeah. by manufacturer and most filters will have a setting that says either resonance or q and that's kind of around the adjustment point whatever your cutoff is it's how much the uh the sound is accentuated around that point correct so if you have a highly resonant filter then you get that kind of more whistly squelchy sound yep. like on a pioneer mixer oh yeah notorious on yeah. pioneer if mixers. you turn it the other mm -hmm. way then you get a lot more calm you know high pass or low pass smoother that's right. not so, yes. so squealy so i actually have some examples of that here now this next clip will compare the filter models within Tractor. In order, Ladder, which is classic style, Allen and Heath Zone, and the Control Z2. We'll do a high pass and then a low pass sweep for each one.
You'll notice that they all accomplish the same basic task, yet they all sound a bit different, especially when the filter is moving. A big factor in this is resonance, also known as Q or bandwidth. Using the effects slot version of Tractor's filter, let's demonstrate a resonant filter. Notice how whistly it is. This somewhat resembles the color effects filters on modern Pioneer mixers. Now, the same sweep with less resonance. This might be more appropriate for subtle mixing rather than a build-up effect. So that kind of shows, I mean, they're, you've got one knob that's doing most of the work there. Right. But they, can, they all sound a little different because of the color, you know, of the hardware or software that you're using. And then that, that resonance makes all the difference in the world when it comes to, like, is this an effect or is this a mixing tool? <laughs> right. <you know>? Well, <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and that's an important thing to, to note. What's the purpose of a filter if it's doing what an EQ can do? And I think you, you just summed it up there. It's that you could do, you know, some subtle filtering uh, uh, effects by, you know, using the, the EQ knobs, but it's in one knob. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I think and if you want that squelchier effect and all of that stuff, then, you know, you have those those types of uh, tools available to you to manipulate the filter a little bit more so that you can accentuate where you want to and, and cut where you want to and, yeah. and all of that. And I, I think a lot of people think of the filter as an effect and, yeah. and I tend to use it as a mixing tool, which I know in your notes you would put something about it, it's more oriented for effects or something like that. Yeah. And, and I said, oh, I'll play devil's advocate on that because yeah. I use it. it right, right. Mixing. But I think before you go any further with that, I think uh, I, I think you demonstrated uh, very easily there that um, it, it, it can be more of a mixing tool when you don't have that, you know, that cue on it. Yeah. You know, that it, I mean, and that's why you get this, you know, is it an effect or is it a mixing tool? Because Pioneer you know, notoriously throws that, that cue on there. And, yeah, it's and, more resonant than in the clip. I mean, it's, right. like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I remember the first time ever seeing that on it's a mixer. Like, I was like, what, 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 yeah. what is this? It's almost like, like I'm going down a rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. It's almost like they, add, they add a little white noise or something. something to it. I mean, yeah. It's right. super yeah. Yeah, yeah, aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Aggressive is a good word. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, I, I use it in, in a way that's like, okay, if I'm, if I'm trying to mix two tracks together and I need to do something a little more drastic, like I'll, I'll go to an EQ before I'll cut out like all my bass and most of my bid mids of the EQ. Okay. I'll, I'll go to the filter instead, a low resonant filter instead. So the filter will let you get away with a little bit more. Like if you have two tracks that aren't quite in key or, if there's too much going on in the high end, like what you know, we were talking about in the beginning. Something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can yeah. use your EQ and kill that, but then a lot of times you'll just, instead of, you'll just get like that. Whereas with a filter, you can get rid of it. Right, because it's a lot of times that's a, that's a pretty steep slope or it's, you know, it cuts to zero. So a lot of times what I'll do if I'm mixing something in and I'm like, this is a little harsh to just slam this track in. 
But if I'm careful with it, you know, maybe I'll grab a loop or something and then I'll turn on high pass or, or whatever it is I determine I need to do. I'll check that in my headphones. I'll do the, the cue mix back and forth, check it, make sure it sounds all right. right. And then I'll bring it in slowly and then I'll slowly adjust the filter knob okay. back and then I'll like bring the bass out of the outgoing track, you know, right. with the EQ or something as that comes back in. And if, if it's low resonance and you're slow and gentle about it, nobody's ever going to even notice. It's right. just going to sound right. like part of the track. And that's what I love about filters. I use yeah. them all the time. I, and I get away with murder with filters. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and, and that's important to note because if, if, uh, if you're a digital DJ, you know, I don't know about Tractor, but Serato has um, the ability to purchase uh, additional effect banks and mm. stuff like that. Um, so, you know, while if you're on a Pioneer mixer or controller that has the super exaggerated filter effect, you can, you know, have another filter that's, you know, you can purchase either through Serato or, um, you know, some outboard, you know, use a send return, yeah. you know, on some other unit that has a less drastic and, and aggressive yeah. mm -hmm. filter. The cool effect. thing about Tractor is it already has a lot of filter functionality built in. You know, right. you can pick through any one of those models and just use it, and or you, can, use it, you yeah. can dedicate an effect slot to it if you yeah. want to really be able to adjust all the parameters. Very cool. And so, yeah, if you once you get a setup you like, you're pretty much set. So yeah. what I've done, I have a Pioneer mixer, and so I'm just I'm going to map MIDI map that filter knob to the Tractor version because I like it better. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I use it... Um, like in the beginning of a particular event, like the, the announcer will be counting down like five, four, and I'll, and I'll have the filter on there. Yeah. Three, two, one, and then beep, and then I'll crank the filter back up to the milk line. So that way you get the full effect of the sound. Or like the other night when I was doing the corporate event, like if I was making announcements and it was in the middle of something that they needed me to do right away, I would just sort of hit the filter and hit a loop and then just be like, okay, ladies, blah, 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 blah. To make room for your yeah. own to make voice. Room, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, all that being said, Filters can be a lot of fun to combine with effects. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, one thing that I'll do... Flanger! I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a super effect-heavy DJ, I'm but an, I... I'm uh, an effects whore. Yeah. yeah it, I use... Um, every now and then, like, once or twice in a set, I'll use effects. I mean, I'm very light on them. But one thing that I will do is I'll use, like, a, a pretty simple reverb. Mm. But if you start cranking a reverb and don't make any EQ adjustments or anything it's a mess right. because mm -hmm. for the reasons that we've already talked about, if you have all those say bass frequencies and then you're just extending the length that those are all playing, then mm -hmm. you just, right. So, it turns into the, that, that mud. mud. Yeah. But yeah. if you do so, like a, a very slow high pass sweep and a reverb at the same time, that can be a lot of fun because yeah, yeah. then you get that, that buildup sound from the filter then you get that dragged out um, yeah. delayed release from the reverb. So if you do that like at the end of a breakdown or something like that and then slam them both back at the same time, you've got a pretty cool buildup effect. Right, right. You can make one wherever you want. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Trip. thanks so much for all the hard work on that, man. I didn't oh, mean yeah. to make you write a short novel. <laughs> I do that. No, we're he, just he, talking he over does the text, text message. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, shoot, he'll shoot that off the dome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, that was a lot of fun. I, I, I really like getting into like the, the, the techie, technical yeah. stuff. And, um, you know, and, and, and like you said, we've had a lot of requests about, you know, getting into nuts and bolts of, of technical stuff. You know, we, we tend to you know, try to hit 
everything from philosophy to how to and and listener feedback and all of that yep. stuff just for fun and nerdy stuff too exactly <laughs> yeah. so you know it, but the it, it seems like the nerdier or techier stuff uh that seems to be you know uh further and fewer between yeah um so when we do get a chance to really dive down and get into that stuff i i really enjoy it i do too they, these kind of episodes require a lot of Prep forethought work. and prep yeah. work yeah. and stuff, especially when we're putting audio examples and stuff together. So yeah. we have to space them out a little bit. But if there's, yeah. uh, you know, some similar functions that you would like or some things that you'd like to compare, stuff like that, you've got any ideas, definitely shoot us an email or tweet at us at DJ with passion. Give us your ideas. And we would love to do more nerdy sound audio example versions of the podcast. And that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. This has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Two. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionate DJ or on Twitter at DJ with passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Oh.